Welcome to the Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. Hello, Chris. I'm shouting today, baby, from the rooftops. Where, where are you? The goats. For the goats. Yeah. Why are, anything causing you to shout? Is it the fact that you just, you were today, we we're reviewing an episode that just ages so well on so many levels? Yeah, this is, um, this is a tough one. Let's see how it goes. Let's see if we we cancel ourselves. We always talk about the forward thinking, how forward thinking certain aspects of the Andy Griffith show work. This is not one. This this episode is not one of them. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Looking forward to doing it. Can we uh, double our our listenership for this? Let's have a viral moment. A viral moment. A viral moment. Well, before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to a guy named Emery Nichols, who took the time to write us and said he'd found our podcast and he had really enjoyed it, and he had watched it up to, and he's basically listened to it and is up to date. So, thank you for listening, Emery, and thank you for taking the time to tell us. And thank you for your family's commitment to higher education in the Atlanta area with Emory University. He's actually from Auburn, Alabama, so maybe he's they're committed to um, higher education in the. Hey, Auburn go War area. Eagle! Go, go War, Eagle. War Eagle! Yes, yes. All right. So, you uh, any opening thoughts before we dive in? No, this is racist. <laughs> Are you, are you, I mean, you're not even going to mince words here, huh? No, this is racist. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's... You want to know how many whistles I give it? The, the episode or the or the, or, or the or the scenes? Uh, let's, right. we, we can do that at the end. I'll hold I, back. All right, you've got your hot take about... You're not even mincing words about, well, it was a different time or anything like that. You're like, no, this is racist. And I'm, I respect what you're saying. I'm going to tell you my hot take. John Mace, John Masters, worst choir director, worst theater director in in North Carolina. To say I think least. that's totally fair. He did a lot of stuff in the northern part of the state, and I wonder why. You Apparently, know, he's got a reputation. But I mean, if you're going to k- kick people out, don't turn it over to a loved one. Do it yourself, <laughs> and don't give people parts and then take them away. And don't yeah. give people parts without having them read. I mean, I, I understand it's a very offensive. It's, it can be a very sensitive thing for people, for actors who are saying, I still have to read. But if Aunt B hasn't been on stage in about 40 years, she should probably have to read. Hey, and you know what? These people are not Tom Cruise. Like, Tom Cruise doesn't have to read. But, like, you know, Sissy Spacek probably has to read. Sissy you know? Spacek does not have to read. <laughs> <Sissy Spacek>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to think yeah. of someone. I was trying to think of someone that's not, like, a blockbuster hit star. You know, I know Sissy Spacek won Best Actress in 1980. I know that she was a thing, you know, but she's not like, she's not putting out Mission Impossible, right? And so I don't think it's unreal to ask anybody to read that's just below that A-list level. So Adam Sandler, A, would have to read. Uh, let's look. You always got to check. You always got to ding Adam Sandler. But I think, I think, I think what I would say is, Tom Cruise didn't have to read, and everybody who was returning for the new Mission Impossible movie did not have to read. Everybody who was new probably had to read. I would, I would bet so. Yeah, yeah. So we open with Andy and Opie. Well, actually, we'll say this episode first aired on November thirtieth, nineteen sixty-four. Have we said the name of the episode? Oh, I'm sorry. The name of the episode is the pageant. Okay. So make sure we're talking about the same one. So there's not another episode that you think is racist. It's it's just, it's this episode, right? I was talking about the eponymous episode of this podcast, The Loaded Goat. Oh, The Loaded Goat, where um, Opie the Birdman, really just racist. No, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You're, this episode, we should, we'll, we'll need to break down what we're talking about as we dive in. 
So we open with Andy and Opie posting the sign for the Mayberry Centennial pageant. And Opie mispronounces Centennial. And Barney comes out to school Opie about how it derives from the Latin word centum. And Andy, or centum, and Andy explains that it is applied to other words like century and centipede. But Barney doesn't believe people from that era worried about naming bugs. So there you go. <laughs> I like um, the size. Good, yeah. good, solid opening. Yeah. Andy Griffith was actually in a miniseries called Centennial in the 70s. I have watched it several times. He's, it's, a, it's a very good miniseries about um, the 200-year history or 200-plus year, year history of a town in Colorado. Got it. I'm glad he was in that and not another movie that has to do with centipedes. Like the human centipede? Yes. Yeah, I think he, he that would have been a real bad way to, for Andy Griffith to wind down his career. It really would have. Yeah. Have you ever seen the human centipede? No, but I get the gist. I've seen the um I've seen the first one, and the first one is pretty bad, but it is really a kick in the back. And you'd really have no idea why this doctor wanted to create the human centipede. But when the strongest person in the movie is trying to get away, he's like, he catches her. He goes, you know what? You're the strongest one here of all of them. You get to be the middle, middle of the human centipede, which is the worst place to be. So it's a tough watch. It is. It is. Well, I'm glad you watched it so that we don't have to. Yeah, yeah. This no, episode is brought to you by Pod Machine. <laughs> Podcasts <laughs> speak to you wherever you are. The, the human centipede, yeah. Probably not not for folks. So Andy asks Barney if he's going to be involved in the pageant, like to act in the pageant celebrating the, the anniversary. And Barney says he's had speech training for Miss Poultice, and that's where he learned his diction. And then he does Peter Piper pick the peck of pickled peppers really quickly along with some others. And then he and Opie go off in addiction contest and Andy and Opie finally stump them. Did I ever tell you the one that I came, the tongue twister I came up with this fall? I think you did one that you tried to get me to say on this podcast. I was like, no, I'm not going to get it. You're trying to just lure me into saying a bad word. Well, yeah, but this is kind of that, but I think it's more, it's, it's funny, you know, with Kristen Welker taking over meet the press. Is this, yeah. is this a reminder? How many Todd's could a Chuck Todd Chuck if a Chuck Todd could Chuck Todd's? Oh, that's a pretty good one. It's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even gonna try. I'm a that. big fan of Chuck Todd. So this is this is more of a an homage to him. You're uh well, we're trying not to get political, but you know, you're uh you're delving here, man. What really? And Chuck Todd's Chuck Todd longest running show in news. Was Chuck Todd or Meet the Press the longest running show in news? Well, Meet the Press featuring that Chuck Todd. Yeah, but that's Meet the Press is, you know, there's been plenty of other broadcasters who've been on longer than Chuck Todd. Oh, I know that. Like Bill Maher. Anti-writer strike Bill Maher. Are we allowed to do this? Are we part of the union? We're not part of the union. We are. We have no, we're not in the Writers Guild. It's, it's, it's Is that because I don't write anything down? You don't write anything down and you don't have a union card as do, as, as I don't either. Okay. Got it. And we're not getting paid for this. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. And um, but I actually I know I really know that you don't watch any of the news. You get all your news from the Daily Show. The day- <laughs> Daily Show is good. It's entertaining. I just was just giving you a hard time. You were. You were. Yeah. So Andy comes in and Opie asks. Basically, Andy comes in and Opie has picked up her baking powder so she can make brownies. And Andy and Opie ask if she is going to tr- be to try out for Lady Mayberry. 
and she says she's going to do the sewing for the event. They also really overhype. Like if I'm, I love my hometown. I feel a lot of hometown pride. I think of it as a we. It is like, you know, it it, it feels like a personified community. I would not go to anything or care about it if it were about Lady Helena, if that were a person that existed. I think. I mean, I like Waiting for Guffman. That movie. Have you seen Waiting for Guffman? I have. A, I've not seen Godot, but I have seen Guffman. Okay, Waiting for a Guffman. Obviously has a lot of funny lines and it's most of it's all about the cast of characters that they have trying to make this production about what happened in Blaine, Missouri. But it is kind of one of these things where you are like, well, I mean, you know, it is just kind of like if people are telling the story of the t- of your town. You're kind of like, how is it going to be told and who's going to be doing it? And, now, and you know, like this is an old school, con- you know, like we're going to do this of Lady Mayberry and we're going to do. Uh, a, a not authentic in any way, shape, or form meeting between the settlers and the Native Americans. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I feel like this production had some real, real. It was kind of behind the eight ball as it was coming as it was coming out of the gate. It was not going to be memorable. Yeah, I agree. Uh, quick thing about waiting for Guffman. Uh, Ricky Gervais uh, found that that was a uh, heavy influence on his writing of The Office, and he and Christopher Guest is one of his icons and how he created that that structure and style that we see so often replicated in modern sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, that's that's good to know. I mean that that is a that sh- that movie has some laugh out loud moments. L O L. L O L. So back to the Taylor household, Andy, Aunt B is discussing how she used to act. Um, she goes to get a book. Are you taking your shirt off here? Hot. Okay. No one's still, supposed to know. Unless for those who are, li- we, we're on camera. Those who are listening here, he's still wearing a t-shirt. So it's okay. It's okay. Um, so Aunt B is discussing how she used to act. She goes to get a book to show like her past performances. Opie's not interested at all. He asks if, if she's going to put some conventionary sugar on the brownies. And Aunt B does it very funny, does, does a very good realistic. And she just giggles and says, or chuckles and says, confectionary sugar. And then she tries to Always reform. the jokester. Oh, yeah. She's as, oh. she's as sweet as sucrose. Uh, she's trying to show him the book of her performances. And all Andy, all I'm sorry, all Opie is focused on is the brownies. And she decides she's going to go for the part. And on stage, Andy is playing a settler and Barney is playing a Native American chief. They were they were also terrible. Oh, yeah, they're terrible, both of them. And they take a break. Now, is this, do you feel like? Yeah, not a good start. To, a good... Uh, no, no. I mean, for starters, just representation, right? Like, if you're actually going to tell the story about the founding of the town, which odds are good it had some strong, violent, colonialist vibes, and it wasn't so much, we're going to be over there, it'll be safe. You know, you could you could get a little bit more representative actors versus, you know, this is a very white telling of the history of Mayberry, which there's no way, shape, or form that that's actually what it was. Do you find the broken English to be um, <laughs> to be a little offensive? I I do. Thank you for asking. And we addressed this in the uh, in the karate episode as well. So there there has been a history of in season five, uh, maybe Harvey Bullock getting a little shooting at the hip a little bit on some on some cultural representation. 
I will actually say on this, I don't think anybody really knew what they were doing. And I don't even think it was even something that was put top put to top of mind for people like it is today. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're looking back, you know, so we'll give some grace there. But we're also not wrong in judging how it came across. Just because, you know, it's like the great enlightened, I'm an enlightened human being, Aaron. Just look at me, you know? I don't feel like I'm looking at an enlightened human being. I feel like I'm looking at a human being. But that's uh, but that's that's all I can really verify. My white undershirt isn't helping. No, no. The fact that you look, I got like a little hipster mustache. I got glasses. I look enlightened. You look like you're ironic and you don't even know what the word ironic means. I know the song, which has got to count for something. Yeah, there you go. So, all right. So this is not this is not going well. They um, they, this they recording like... or the uh, or the episode. Both, but this that, but well, let's focus on the episode. The episode is the brought episode, to you by Pod Machine. <laughs> the <laughs> the um the the point on all of this is it's it's not a good production to begin with, regardless of whether it's whether it ages well or not. It was not a good production for 1964. It's pretty lousy, and. I take a break, and Aunt B goes to discuss the role of Lady Mayberry with John Masters. And he perks up, and he talks about how important it is, and that he knows she will sew just the right outfit for Clara Edwards. Can you imagine sewing an outfit for one of your friends and not, not getting credit as, like, a Christmas gift? Mm-mm-mm. Not for mm-hmm. me. I Well, first of all, the notion of... I, I don't There's a Cosby show where Denise says she's going to sew a, like a, a, a like the, what they call like Gordon Gautrell or something like that, this really designer shirt. I think it's a takeoff on Calvin Klein. And she's going to sew it for Theo. And it is the worst shirt imaginable. It's like one sleeve is halfway up the arm. One sleeve is too long. I mean, she's done a terrible job with it. And I feel like if I sewed anything, that's what it would be like. I don't even know if it'd be wearable. It wouldn't even be wearable. So oh, yeah, absolutely not. It's not my skill set. Yeah, so the fact that AMB can um, can do this uh, is pretty remarkable, and it's weird. It's like all of a sudden you're like AMB wants to be on stage as Lady Mayberry, but we never we never knew this. But you would think John Masters, after having spending so much time in northern northern part of North Carolina, you know, directing theater and choirs, choirs would have good emotional intelligence. You would think so. But apparently he does not. Mm-mm. And so later, John and Barney. You know, I've said one thing about the South. Let me say this. What? Yeah, you, you dive right in there. What do you want <laughs> you to say? alienate ha- my other, my other, my lesser host, and then all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you? What have you got to say, Bubba? Uh, just tell me what you're thinking. Just good people. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'd stop right there. So later, John and Barney and Andy come in dejected. And Clara has had to bow out because her sister got sick. And so she's got to go be with her. And Andy, Already a loose excuse, though. We don't know what she's sick with. You know, she's. we find out later she hasn't been gone long. I think this was made up. I think she was visiting. She was maybe seeing seeing a fella in a different town. Didn't want to tell anybody. And she just needed a little time to get away. And and, yeah. and let's face it, Clara can do Lady Mayberry in her sleep. You can tell just by looking at her. Yeah, I mean that that woman is late. When you see her, you're like, Lady. Oh yeah, Mayberry. she's Lady Mayberry. She is Lady Mayberry, and 
So Aunt B starts to make a subtle play for the role, and they keep talking past her, except Andy, who gets the idea to offer her the role. They offer it to her, and she accepts. No audition, no nothing. Her Apparently, her, her theater work in the 1920s is all that was needed. You know, I did uh, one show a year growing up at a community theater, and uh, one time I was gone out of town for audition, so the director told me to just come for callbacks. And at callbacks, it's like when you're kind of doing cold readings of, of different scenes, and you get it like 30 minutes before so you can practice. And I show up, and she's like, all right, meet me downstairs in five minutes. You can do your monologue and song. And I was like, well, I don't not have a monologue and song. I kind of thought we were going to be doing the scene thing. And uh, I tried, and I got about halfway through the monologue. Worked well. I became an ensemble man. Congratulations. Thank you. Everybody gets cast, which is also an important note. Okay, well, it's like you made the soccer team when you were in the second grade. I got most improved player on the soccer team. Talk about a backhanded compliment. They gave me a, uh, they gave me a, uh, a little plaque too. It's humiliating. You know, it's sometimes it's really about how much effort you put forward, and people, you know, it's if you come in and you're you're an amazing athlete, you don't have there's you you're coming in kind of ahead of folks, but if you work your way and and still being productive, that's there's something to be said for that. There is. There is yeah. publicly in a banquet at a cheap conference hall while everybody's parents applaud. There you go. I hope you felt good at the time. No, I was like, this is weird. I, I want to go home. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to go sorry. to the taco bar. We sorry. digress. I'm sorry to hear that. So Andy comes into rehearsal and they share the news article about Aunt B and that she 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 was known for known or remembered for some work she did in West Virginia playing a little princess in the in the 1920s. Was this the little princess like the little princess little princess? I don't think so. I think it was another another play. Got it. Okay. Great movie. So, I've never seen it. Oh, it's fun. I mean, I don't remember. I saw it when I was 7 and remembered liking it. And you're thinking of the little mermaid, right? You're thinking of the little princess. Definitely thinking of the little princess. Thank okay. you for asking. All right, I just want to make sure. We um cut to Barney and Andy doing a scene where where Andy is wearing a fur hat, and Barney is wearing a Native American chief's headdress, and they are smoking a peace pipe. Okay, so I I know this is not. I know this doesn't fly today. You did you chuckle at how ridiculous they looked? No, I was like, what the heck am I going to say about this flawed scene? To a bunch you, of people who like the episode, you didn't. You didn't even. You didn't even say, "Okay, they they look so silly." They do look silly, but not as a comedic act because they were, you know, dressed up like this. Because it's it's just I don't know, man. I'm having a hard time not looking at it with my uh, my enlightened man persona. You know that we previously agreed was true. The most of your enlightened persona. Maybe it's. Of all the enlightened personas I know, yours is the most improved. <laughs> so yeah, after, after some bad acting, Barney takes a puff and starts coughing. And I, did, pretty, I thought that was funny. That was funny. And Barney pushes back on some dialogue that he doesn't think sounds right. And and in a show of really trying to get for trying to really push for authenticity, a bunch of white guys come together and discuss. What sounds accurate? Correct. Yeah. Correct. I know. I did rem- think. I did think you remove the racism from it. I did think the writer's pompous air de pompons was 
uh, very accurate for a lot of of theatrical people. I thought he captured that well. Looking at you, Jeff. I think he captured. Yeah, I think so. I think. I mean, I think just the fact of it is, is that this doesn't. This just. They nobody even knew. Nobody even said sixty years from now. This enlightened young man will be breaking this down on the podcast, and he will be calling us a bunch of racists. We didn't even think because they didn't even realize that's how they would be perceived. Yeah, and I'm here to, you know, dispel that myth. I'm just, uh, but you know, but hear me out. Actors are sculptors who carve in snow, you know. So they thought it was going to melt away, and we're here to make sure that it's not. Okay, I'm. I'm just. Uh, I. I can't deal with any more of this pretentious silliness, but let's um let's keep going here. So they finish the scene, and next up is Aunt B doing her scene as Lady Mayberry. And Barney won't lose the headdress so he can stay in character. And Aunt B can't find the way to enter. And when she fi- finally does enter, she is not good. Christopher, you grew up in the theater and you're an enlightened man. What's Thank her you. problem here? I mean, what are all her issues as an actress right now? Uh, we're talking B walking in. Yeah. You know, so in she acting, won, yeah. She didn't. So this actually goes a little bit to the production. No one called places. So she should have been told five minutes before places in 10. She'd say, thank you, 10. And then again at five. And then the, the stage manager or director absent would say places. And then she would go. She would know where she needed to be backstage so that she was ready to take the stage and not fumble around in the curtain where she's going to get all, you know, that she has so much hairspray in that, in that hairdo that she's getting static electricity up there. Her head is not firing, right? Because there's too much, there's too much energy in her head that she's not going to be able to deliver. And I would say, if we're going to compare her delivery to Barney and Andy's, Aunt B was actually a little bit better because she's closer to the persona. She is cast better than Andy and Barney would have were in their character. She's closer to the persona that they're playing. So just by the nature of her being herself is going to be a better performance. A la very similar to, thank you very much, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant. You had me, you had me going until you brought up the Revenant. I know. I think about The Revenant for a really... Can I... Will you indulge me for a I moment? Always. So that was when he got Best Actor. And there was this whole narrative that, you know, Leo would had been snubbed. He was, you know, the Reds, the Boston Red Sox to the World Series to, you know, Best Actor. He would never get it. And I remember reading on Facebook this guy that I kind of barely knew Defend, you know, everyone was going on and saying, Leo needs to win best, best actor. Leo needs to win best actor. And this guy, Scott, gets on and posts this long Facebook post about whether or not he delivered the best performance. It's not if he's owed it, if he delivered. And it was a, a fire and brimstone Facebook post that I think about quite often for how ridiculous he got worked up about this. And then Leo won. And that also made me happy in context of that Facebook post. Or should I say meta? Can we slice in meta over Facebook now? Yes. Okay. So I I see that there's a lot of people. I, I will agree with you that the Oscars, the Grammys, the Tonys, the Emmys, they should all go to the best performance. I feel like especially... You're not with, agreeing with me. You're agreeing with Scott. What do you think? 
I don't really care. I thought it was cool. I want whoever's going to give the best speech. I think Larry David should win everything. I mean, I would, I would that would be great. I mean, I would, you know, Jim. What if Blair. you had an award ceremony where they set it up and Larry David, like as a host, they add Larry David to the nominees for every single one. And anytime someone's not there to accept the award, Larry David goes up and accepts on their behalf. I would love that. And I would love it if he would rotate. It would be um, Larry David. And then if he's not, if Larry, but if Larry David's busy or, you know, he's already accepted an award for somebody else, they send Jiminy Glick up to Who's Jiminy uh, Glick. Jiminy Glick is this Martin Short character that um, he's the overweight guy who's always interviewing the stars. And he's saying all of these ridiculous, making all of these ridiculous questions. Like he'll sit down with, he did, he did a really funny interview with Ice Cube and he goes, I am so happy to have vanilla ice with me. Oh, you, you know? told me about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so it's really, it's just really funny. Okay. Yeah. I'm all for that. Yeah. You could have also like the Ollie G uh, or Ali G. I think his show was the Ali G show. Yeah. yeah. You could have, you'd have all of these different character actors get weird out there for some reason, you know, that could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could have a good time with that. You get, uh, Keenan to play, uh, like, I don't know. Uh, doesn't he play Steve Harvey quite a bit on SNL? You can have yeah, some, my, you can have some my favorite, pieces. my favorite. He does that one. My favorite is when he's doing movie things. It's where he's doing lost cinema classics or lost scenes in movies. And he's like, I'm Reese. The what? And um, that's his, <laughs> that's his name where he's like, and they're doing like a lost scene from the birds or that's a blog. Those are, those are always fun. So that all being said, you break down that I do agree with you. Brass tax. Aunt B is uh, given an unfair shake, but she is a, she is actually better in her role than Barney and Andy when it comes to just delivering and being accurate. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that doesn't matter because John, Andy, and Barney agree that Aunt B is terrible as we go to commercial. They should have brought Opie in on this too. John, Andy, Opie, and Barney. Do we see Opie in this episode? I don't think we do. Oh, yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, we do. She reads right, to him in that one scene. Yeah, you're right. This episode was produced by Pod Machine. They do a great podcast and a great rig. I was fortunate to get started on this a few years ago. I mean, I've just been very, very pleased with it ever since. I mean, they can, you know, they will edit your podcast. They will uh, do artwork for your podcast. They'll do the YouTube videos for the podcast. And they have a very quick turnaround time um, once you upload all your material. So I highly recommend it. I'm pro pod in general. I love bean pods. I like pod hotels. I like pod apples maybe but you know what pods i like best pod machines pod machines me too me too i like them better than podcasts i honestly don't even really like podcasts that much so i'm i'm just thankful that you're here why do you do this podcast (laughs) to see your dimples baby to see my dimples well and uh if you really push hard podcast my pod machine might be able to give you some dimples i don't know so <laughs> go to podmachine.com to learn more and enter loaded goat at checkout for a 10 percent discount and that's spelled just like loaded goat and after the break john says he has to let her go but he can't have the production because he can't have the production go haywire and then he says andy i think it'd be better if you tell her and i'm like what what this is just a common thing that the writers always do to fill time is they're like, he could address it, but now they're like, Oh, let's make the star of the show. Do it. Yeah. And it does not help Andy's megalomania. Which is, what's he, do you think he suffers from? I actually don't think the character does, but I would venture to say maybe, maybe Andy Griffith did. 
I don't know if he suffered from megalomania. I hear he did have a bit of a temper, and he had a long memory. All right, so let's break down those things. Mega, temper, low, long, mania, memory. No. Okay. This is one area where you're not enlightened. Wow. All right. So, uh, you know, we as we've said it before, and I'll say it again, um, you know, it's John. John's just not stepping up here. Um, Barney calls the theater Heartbreak Alley, and then back at the Taylor household, Aunt B is practicing with Opie, and Andy comes in, and she says John doesn't really understand Lady Mayberry, and she's not sure about working with him. And Andy's like, "Well, if you don't think of like working with him, go, you know, you don't have to waste your time doing this part." And Aunt B says she wouldn't give up this part for anything in the world. I get that, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, we think that John is maybe lackluster in some areas. These are just such subjective things that no one's going to be right or no one's going to be wrong. It's like you put together a PowerPoint and people are like, that looks bad. You should move this one thing there. Hey, that's subjective. That's not necessarily the right answer, Alicia. Um, Alicia. Working some things out. I'm working (laughs) some things out. I'm sorry, you're... Sorry, you're going through that. I, I did you have somebody who didn't like uh, your Alicia actually today? makes super solid PowerPoints, and I'm pretty bad at it. So thanks, Alicia. Really appreciate working with you. I mean, I think there are um there are I do think there are certain things that are subjective uh on, on certain areas. I mean, I do think Taxes, really... grant hand grenades, horseshoes, um, liberal and conservative ideology. You I, I mean, I think more or less we're talking about Marxism. Um, I'm I'm not even gonna play along here. What we're talking about, you know, I think we're talking I think we can all agree on what is good acting and or what we can agree with is bad acting. Yeah. Adam Sandler. Oh man. All right, I'll stop busting your chops. You can you can go. Your beef with Adam Sandler. So so she just says she wouldn't give up this role for anything in the world and heads to practice, and Andy doesn't have the heart to tell her. John calls and tells Andy that Clara is back in town. Apparently she had what a 48-hour bug or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Her sister must have must not have really been all that sick. And then he insists that Aunt Andy tell Aunt B. And I'm just gonna say it before I've said it earlier. John Masters is just not a stage director, he's not a leader. Yeah, completely agree. That's actually a great way to put it. He's not a leader. It's indicated here, and then it's reflective in his work. Yeah. Um, and then Opie tells Andy he's getting tired of eating diner food. And um, said no eighth, eight-year-old kid ever. No eight-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid ever. Maybe says no third, no adult ever. I mean, for the most part, you're like, <laughs> diner food? Okay, I'm, I'm all about that. And then Andy gets a, an idea and says he is too. And they, if they can't break it to Aunt B that she's not a good actress, they're just going to basically use some good old-fashioned manipulation. As about, always <laughs> works in this show with Aunt B. About, it's how every Aunt B episode ends, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, we can manipulate her out of this. About her role, basically taking taking the one thing she takes complete and utter pride and confidence in and just kind of poking and kind of just needling it a little bit. Yeah, it goes straight to her psyche. They know exactly yeah. what they're doing. They they know how to play this game. Yeah. So we cut cut to Aunt B going over a list of things she has to do as Andy and Barney eat breakfast. Clara rings the doorbell and Andy says he asked her to come over since she is so busy. 
Clara says she'll make apple pie for them every night. Ooh. Aunt B starts to get upset. I don't know if she's jealous or just uncomfortable. And she sees she says she needs to get going and uh, get going and work and work on the opening speech. And Clara just performs the speech with Eve ease and Aunt B leaves. I kind of want to smack everybody in this scene. I would like to see you do that. I don't really want to smack everybody. Now, that would be a good director. That's like, I was just reading a a profile in Rolling Stone for a couple weeks ago about what a bad, toxic work environment meant Jimmy Fallon leads um, at The Tonight Show. And you could be a director like that, and you go in and you belittle people, you berate them personally with passive-aggressive comments about whether or not they're okay, not even disregard their work style and what the product they put out. And you could do that, and you'd be the opposite of John McMaster's, and it would be a nice McMaster's. I keep thinking, I was like, that sounds familiar, but I'm thinking, remember the old, old man that like ran, um, what was it, Egg Department a couple years ago? No, he wasn't. You're talking, about H- you're talking about HR McMaster? HR McMaster's. Yeah, yeah. defense. Yeah, uh, it was not defense. You're talking about the former National Security Advisor. Yeah, like I said, Egg Department. I always get those two confused. <laughs> yeah. So basically, she's, it be, starts to leave Clara's in the kitchen and Aunt B comes back in and asks Clara to go do the role. They hug and Clara goes back to practice and Aunt B comes in and says she is going to cook. She doesn't want anyone in her kitchen and Clara is a better actress. And Andy is just so moved by Aunt B's, you know, selflessness. And we go to commercial. Beautiful. I don't, this is like one where I was like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty done with this episode by the time we got to this part. So I was like, all right, cool. Roll the credits. All right. Well, so in the epilogue, Clara gives a speech and Barney and Andy discuss how she is a great actress. And Barney says it comes naturally to some people. Just then Barney sees another actor coming out in his headdress. And it turns out John has given his part away and not told him. And Barney chases him off the stage as we close. It happens to the, the you know, the, the I don't even know the, the metaphor for this. Sucks to suck. <laughs> All right. So how many whistles would you give this? Three, man. I don't know. Like, it's just not good. Doesn't age well. But I really like talking about it. So that's that's where I'm coming in. You know, I gave Bargain Day four. I think I'm going to give this four. All right. Sounds good. Any final thoughts? No, I hope uh, that you continue to see light in your life and that each day gets progressively better. I hope that you continue to become the most improved when it comes to being enlightened. For everyone else, Thanks for listening to this slog of an episode. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think about it, subscribe. subscribe. Next week, we'll do The Darling Baby. Until then, Christopher, how fast can you say Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers? Chuck Todd, Chuck's, Chuck Todd's. Chuck Todd's.